Section 12, Volume 5 of The Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night. Translated by Richard Burton. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Eva Easton. The Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume 5, Section 12, 401st through 404th Night. When it was the four hundred and first night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that Masrur cried out, O commander of the faithful, the one-third sufficeth me, give him the two-thirds. So the caliph laughed at them and ordered them a thousand dinars each, and they went away, rejoicing at the largesse. And of the tales they tell is one of the devotee prince. The commander of the faithful, Harun al-Rashid, had a son, who from the time he attained the age of sixteen, renounced the world and walked in the way of ascetics and devotees. He was wont to go out to the graveyards and say, Ye once ruled the world, but that saved you not from death, and now are ye come to your sepulchres. Would heaven I knew what ye said, and what is said to you. And he wept, as one weepeth who is troubled with fear and apprehension, and repeated the words of the poet. Affright me funerals at every time, and wailing women grieve me to the soul. Now it chanced one day, as he sat among the tombs, according to his custom, his father passed by in all his state, surrounded by his wazirs and lords of the realm. And the officers of his household, who seeing the caliph's son, with a gown of woolen stuff on his body, and a twist of wool on his head, by way of turband, said to one another, Verily this youth dishonoureth the commander of the faithful among kings. But if he reproved him, he would leave his present way of life. The caliph heard these words. So quoth he to his son, O my dear child, of a truth thou disgracest me by thy present way of life. The young man looked at him and made no reply. Then he beckoned to a bird, perched on the battlements of the palace, and said to it, O thou bird, I conjure thee by him who created thee, alight upon my hand. Whereupon straightway it swooped down and perched on his finger. Then, quoth he, return to thy place, and it did so. Presently he said, Alight on the hand of the commander of the faithful, but it refused there to perch, and he cried to his father, It is thou that disgracest me amongst the holy ones by the love of the world. And now I am resolved to part from thee, never to return to thee, save in the world to come. Then he went down to Basora, where he took to working with those which wrought in clay, receiving as his days higher but a dirham and a danik. And with the danik he fed himself, and gave alms of the dirham. Quoth Abu Amir of Basora, 
there fell down a wall in my house so i went forth to the station of the artisans to find a man who should repair it for me and my eyes fell on a handsome youth of a radiant countenance so i saluted him and asked him o my friend dost thou seek work yes answered he and i said come with me and build a wall he replied on certain conditions i will make with thee quoth i what are they o my friend and quoth he my wage must be a dirham and a danik and again when the muezzin calleth to prayer thou shalt let me go pray with the congregation it is well answered i and carried him to my lace where he fell to work such work as i never saw the like of presented i named to him the morning meal but he said no and i knew that he was fasting when he heard the call to prayer he said to me thou knowest the condition yes answered i so he loosed his girdle and applying himself to the lesser ablution made it after a fashion than which i never saw a fairer then he went to the mosque and prayed with the congregation and returned to his work he did the same upon the call to mid-afternoon prayer and when i saw him fall to work again thereafterward i said to him o my friend verily the hours of labor are over a workman's day is but till the time of afternoon prayer but he replied praise to the lord my services till the night and he ceased not to work till nightfall when i gave him two dirhams whereupon he asked what is this and i answered by allah this is but part of thy wage because of thy diligence in my service but he threw them back to me saying i will have no more than was agreed upon between us twain i urged him to take them but could not prevail upon him so i gave him the dirham and the danik and he went away and when morning dawned i went to the station but found him not so i inquired for him and was told he cometh thither only on sabbaths accordingly when saturday came i betook me to the market and finding him there said to him bismillah do me the favor to come and work for me said he upon the conditions thou wottest and i answered yes then carrying him to my house i stood to watch him where he could not see me and he took a handful of puddled clay and laid it on the wall when behold the stones ranged themselves one upon other and i said on this wise are allah's holy ones he worked out his day and did even more than before and when it was night i gave him his hire and he took it and walked away now when the third saturday came round i went to the place of standing but found him not so i asked after him and they told me he is sick and lying in the shanty of such a woman now this was an old wife renowned for piety 
who had a hovel of reeds in the burial ground. So I fared thither, and found him stretched on the floor, which was bare, with a brick for a pillow, and his face beaming like the new moon with light. I saluted him, and he returned my salam, and I sat down at his head, weeping over his fair young years, and absence from home, and submission to the will of his Lord. Then said I to him, Hast thou any need? Yes, answered he, and I said, What is it? He replied, Come hither to-morrow in the forenoon, and thou wilt find me dead. Wash me, and dig my grave, and tell none thereof, but shroud me in this my gown, after thou hast unsewn it, and taken out what thou shalt find in the bosom pocket, which keep with thee. Then, when thou hast prayed over me, and laid me in the dust, go to Baghdad, and watch for the caliph Harun al-Rashid, till he come forth. When do thou give him what thou shalt find in the breast of my gown, and bear him my salutation? Then he ejaculated the profession of the faith, and glorified his God in the most eloquent of words, reciting these couplets. Carry the trust of him whom death awaits to al-Rashid, and God reward thy care. And say, an exile who desired thy sight, long-loving from afar, sends greeting fair nor hate nor irk, no, him from thee withdrew. Kissing thy right to heaven brought him near. But what estranged his soul, O sire, from thee, is that thy worldly joys it would not share. Then he betook himself to prayer, asking pardon of Allah. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and cease to say her permitted say. When it was the four hundred and second night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that the youth then betook himself to asking pardon of Allah, and to invoking prayer and praise upon the Apostle and the Lord of the Just, and repeating verses of the Koran, after which he recited these couplets. O sire, be not deceived by worldly joys, for life must pass, and joy must learn to mourn. When thou art told of folk in evil plight, think thou must answer for all hearts forlorn. And when thou bear thy dead towards the tombs, know thou wilt likewise on that way be born. Continued Abu the Basri, now, when the youth had ended his charge and his verses, I left him and went home. On the morrow I returned at the appointed hour, and found him indeed dead, the mercy of Allah be upon him. So I washed him, and unsewing his gown, found in the bosom a ruby worth thousands of gold pieces, and said to myself, By Allah this youth was indeed weaned from worldly things. After I had buried him, I made my way to Baghdad, 
and going to the caliph's palace, waited till he came forth, when I addressed him in one of the streets, and gave him the ruby, which when he saw, he knew and fell down in a fainting fit. His attendants laid hands on me, but he revived and said to them, Release him, and bring him courteously to the palace. They did his bidding, and when he returned, he sent for me, and carrying me into his chamber, said to me, How doth the owner of this ruby? Quoth I, Verily he is dead, and told him what had passed. Whereupon he fell a-weeping, and said, The son hath gained, but the sire hath lost. Then he called out, saying, Ho, such a one! And behold, there came out to him a lady, who, when she saw me, would have withdrawn. But he cried to her, Come, and mind him not. So she entered and saluted, and he threw her the ruby, which when she saw and she knew, she shrieked a great shriek, and fell down in a swoon. As soon as she came to herself, she said, O commander of the faithful, what hath Allah done with my son? And he said to me, Do thou tell her his case, as he could not speak for weeping. Accordingly I repeated the story to her, and she began to shed tears, and say in a faint and wailing voice, How I have longed for thy sight, O solace of mine eyes! Would I might have given thee to drink, when thou hadst none to slake thy thirst. Would I might have cheered thee, whenas thou foundest never a cheerer. And she poured forth tears, and recited these couplets. I weep for one whose lot a lonely death befell, without a friend to whom he might complain and moan. And after glory and glad union with his friends, he woke to desolation, friendless, lorn, and lone. What fortune hides a while, she soon to all men shall show. Death never spared a man, no, not a single one. O absent one, my Lord decreed thee strangerhood, far from thy nearest friends, and to long exile gone. Though death forbid my hope of meeting here again, on doomed day's morrow we shall meet again, my son. Quoth I, Commander of the Faithful, Was he indeed thy son? Quoth he, Yes, and indeed, before I succeeded to this office, he was wont to visit the learned and company with the devout. But when I became caliph, he grew estranged from me, and withdrew himself apart. Then said I to his mother, Verily, this thy son hath cut the world, and devoted his life to Almighty Allah, and it may be that hard times shall befall him, and he be smitten with trial of evil chance. Wherefore do thou given him this ruby, which he may find useful in hour of need? So she gave it to him, conjuring him to take it, and he obeyed her bidding. Then he left to us the things of our world, and removed himself from us. Nor did he cease to be absent from us, till he went to the presence of Allah, to whom be honour and glory. 
pious and pure. Then said he, Come, show me his grave. So I travelled with him to Basora, and showed him his son's grave, and when he saw it he wept and lamented, till he fell down in a swoon, after which he recovered, and asked pardon of the Lord, saying, We are Allah's, and unto him we are returning, and involved blessings on the dead. Then he asked me to become his companion, but I said to him, O commander of the faithful, verily in thy son's case is for me the most momentous of admonitions. And I recited these couplets. Tis I am the stranger visited by none. I am the stranger, though in town my own. Tis I am the stranger, lacking kith and son, and friend to whom I mote for aidance run. I house in mosques, which are my only home. My heart there wones and shall for ever wone. Then laud ye Allah, Lord of worlds, as long as soul and body dwell in union. And a famous tale is told of the unwise schoolmaster who fell in love by report. Quoth one of the learned, I passed once by a school, wherein a schoolmaster was teaching children. So I entered, finding him a good-looking man and a well-dressed, when he rose to me and made me sit with him. Then I examined him in the Koran and in syntax and prosody and lexicography, and, behold, he was perfect in all required of him. So I said to him, Allah, strengthen thy purpose. Thou art indeed versed in all that is requisite. Thereafter I frequented him a while, discovering daily some new excellence in him, and quoth I to myself, This is indeed a wonder in any domini, for the wise are agreed upon a lack of wit in children's teachers. Then I separated myself from him, and sought him, and visited him only every few days, till coming to see him one day as of wont, I found the school shut, and made enquiry of his neighbors, who replied, Some one is dead in his house. So I said in my mind, It behoveth me to pay him a visit of condolence, and going to his house knocked at the door, when a slave-girl came out to me and asked, What dost thou want? And I answered, I want thy master. She replied, He is sitting alone, mourning. And I rejoined, Tell him that his friend so-and-so seeketh to console him. She went in and told him, and he said, Admit him. So she brought me in to him, and I found him seated alone and his head bound with mourning fillets. So I said to him, Allah requite thee amply. This is a path all must perforce tread, and it behoveth thee to take patience. Adding, But who is dead unto thee? He answered, One who was dearest of the folk to me, and best beloved. Perhaps thy father? No. Thy brother? No. One of thy kindred? No. Then asked I, 
What relation was the dead to thee? And he answered, My lover. Quoth I to myself, This is the first proof to swear by his lack of wit. So I said to him, Assuredly there be others than she, and fairer. And he made answer, I never saw her, that I might judge whether or no there be others fairer than she. Quoth I to myself, This is another proof positive. Then I said to him, And how couldst thou fall in love with one thou hast never seen? He replied, Know that I was sitting one day at the window, when, lo, there passed by a man, singing the following distich, Um Amr, thy boons Allah repay, give back my heart, be it where it may. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased to say her permitted say. When it was the four hundred and third night, she said, it hath reached me, O auspicious king, that the schoolmaster continued, When I heard the man humming these words as he passed along the street, I said to myself, Except this Um Amru were without equal in the world, the poets had not celebrated her in Ode and Canzon. So I fell in love with her. But two days after, the same man passed, singing the following couplet. Ass and Um Amr went their way, nor she nor ass returned for I. Thereupon I knew she was dead, and mourned for her. This was three days ago, and I have been mourning ever since. So I left him, concluded the learned one, and fared forth, having assured myself of the weakness of the gerund grinder's wit. And they tell another and a similar tale of the foolish Domini. Once upon a time a schoolmaster was visited by a man of letters who entered a school, and sitting down by the host's side, entered into discourse with him, and found him an accomplished theologian, poet-grammarian, philologist, and poet, intelligent, well-bred, and pleasant-spoken, whereat he wondered, saying in himself, It cannot be that a man who teacheth children in a school should have a perfect wit. Now when he was about to go away, the pedant said to him, Thou art my guest to-night, and he consented to receive hospitality, and accompanied him to his house, where he made much of him, and set food before him. They ate and drank and sat talking, till a third part of the night was past, when the host spread his guest a bed, and went up to his harem. The stranger lay down and addressed himself to sleep, when, behold, there arose a great clamour in the women's rooms. He asked what was the matter, and they said, A terrible thing hath befallen the sheikh, and he is at the last gasp said he, Take me up to him. So they took him up to the pedagogue, whom he found lying insensible, with his blood streaming down. He sprinkled water on his face, and when he revived he asked him, What hath betided thee? 
when thou leftest me thou wast in all good cheer and whole of body and he answered o my brother after i left thee i sat meditating on the creative works of almighty allah and said to myself in everything the lord hath created for man there is an use for he to whom be glory made the hands to seize the feet to walk the eyes to see the ears to hear and the penis to increase and multiply and so on with all the members of the body except these two ballocks there is no use in them so i took a razor i had by me and cut them off and there befell me what thou seest so the guest left him and went away saying he was in the right who said verily no schoolmaster who teacheth children can have a perfect wit though he know all the sciences and they tell a pleasant tale of the illiterate who set up for a schoolmaster there was once among the menials of a certain mosque a man who knew not how to write or even to read and who gained his bread by gulling folk one day it occurred to him to open a school and teach children so he got together writing tablets and written papers and hung them up in a high place then he greatened his turban and sat down at the door of the school and when the people who passed by saw his huge headgear and tablets and scrolls they thought he must be a very learned pedagogue so they brought him their children and he would say to this write and to that read and thus the little ones taught each other now one day as he sat as of wont at the door of the school behold up came a woman letter in hand and he said in his mind this woman doubtless seeketh me that i may read her the missive she hath in her hand how shall i do with her seeing that i cannot read writing and he would fain have gone down and fled from her but before he could do this she overtook him and said to him whither away quoth he i purpose to pray the noon prayer and return quoth she noon is yet distant so read me this letter he took the letter and turning it upside down fell to looking at it now shaking his head till his turban quivered then dancing his eyebrows and anon showing anger and concern now the letter came from the woman's husband who was absent and when she saw the dominie do on this wise she said to herself doubtless my husband is dead and this learned doctor of law and religion is ashamed to tell me so so she said to him o my lord if he be dead tell me but he shook his head and held his peace then said she shall i rend my raiment rend replied he shall i beat my face asked she and he answered beat so she took the letter from his hand and returned home fell a-weeping she and her children presently one of her neighbors heard her sobbing and asking what aileth her was answered of a truth she had gotten a letter telling her that her husband is dead quoth the man this is a falsehood for i had a letter from him but yesterday advising me that he is whole and in good health and will be with her after ten days 
So he rose forthright, and going in to her, said, Where is the letter which came to thee? She brought it to him, and he took it, and read it, and, lo, it ran as follows. After the usual salutations, I am well, and in good health, and whole, and will be with you all after ten days. Meanwhile, I send you a quilt and an extinguisher. So she took the letter, and returning to the schoolmaster, said to him, What induced thee to deal thus with me? And she repeated to him what her neighbor had told her of her husband's well-being, and of his having sent her a quilt and an extinguisher. Answered he, Thou art in the right, O good woman, for I was at the time. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased to say her permitted say. When it was the four hundred and fourth night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that the pedagogue replied, Verily I was at that time fashed and absent-minded, and seeing the extinguisher wrapped up in the quilt, I thought that he was dead, and they had shrouded him. The woman not smoking the cheat said, Thou art excused, and taking the letter went her ways. And they relate a story of the king and the virtuous wife. A certain king once went forth in disguise to look into the affairs of his lieges. Presently he came to a great village which he entered unattended, and being athirst, stopped at the door of a house and asked for water. There came out to him a fair woman with a gugglet, which she gave him, and he drank. When he looked at her he was ravished with her, and besought her favors. Now she knew him, so she led him into the house, and making him sit down, brought out a book, and said to him, Look therein, whilst I order my affair, and return to thee. So he looked into the book, and, behold, it treated of the divine prohibition against advoutry, and of the punishments which Allah hath prepared for those who commit adulterous sin. When he read this, his flesh quaked, and his hair bristled, and he repented to Almighty Allah. Then he called the woman, and giving her the book, went away. Now her husband was absent, and when he returned, she told him what had passed. Whereat he was confounded, and said in himself, I fear lest the king's desire have fallen upon her, and he dared not have to do with her, and know her carnally after this. When some time had passed, the woman told her kinsfolk of her husband's conduct, and they complained of him to the king, saying, Allah advance the king. This man hired of us a piece of land for tillage, and tilled it a while, then left it fallow, and neither tilled it nor forsook it, that we might let it to one who would till it. Indeed, harm is come to the field, and we fear its corruption, for such land as that, if it not be sown, spoileth. Quoth the king to the man, What hindereth thee from sowing thy land? Answered he, Allah advance the king. It reached me that the lion entered the field, 
wherefore I stood in awe of him and dared not draw near it, since knowing that I cannot cope with the lion, I stand in fear of him. The king understood the parable and rejoined, saying, O man, the lion trod and trampled not thy land, and it is good for seed, so do thou till it, and Allah prosper thee in it, for the lion hath done it no hurt. Then he bade give the man and his wife a handsome present, and sent them away. And amongst the stories is that of Abid al-Rahman, the Maghribi's stories of the Rukh. There was once a man of the people of West Africa, who had journeyed far and wide, and traversed many a desert and a tide. He was once cast upon an island, where he abode a long while, and returning thence to his native country, brought with him the quill of a wing-feather of a young rook, whilst yet in egg and unhatched. And this quill was big enough to hold a goat-skin of water, for it is said that the length of the rook chick's wing, when he cometh forth of the egg, is a thousand fathoms. The folk marvelled at this quill when they saw it, and the man who was called Abid al-Rahman the Moor, and he was known to boot as the Chinaman for his long sojourn in Cathay, related to them the following adventure, one of many of his traveller's tales of marvel. He was on a voyage in the China seas, and Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased saying her permitted say. End of section 12 Recording by Eva Easton, Slotsburg, New York